Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Ballard Show, we will be talking about the wonderful world of job descriptions with the help of special guest, Jackie Shaw of Get Organized in Corvallis, Oregon. Alongside Tim Fowler, I am your co-host, Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hello, everyone. Tim Fowler here, and welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. Don't forget, keep sending me ideas. We love to hear from you. Uh, anything you'd like us to get on the podcast that we can arrange, we would love to do that. Send them to Tim at Remodelers Advantage. Dot com. Now, Steve actually shorted you on the job or the description of this uh, episode. We're calling it the wonderful world of job descriptions and why they are a business owner's best friend. <laughs> now, despite the title, this has got to be one of the most boring topics in the whole wide world. Okay. Now, I hope everybody hasn't tuned out. So if you've tuned out, tune back in because it's going to be really good. So this perception of job descriptions being tedious, boring, maybe even unnecessary, uh, maybe just a waste of paper or computer uh, time is definitely out there. And this doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that when I visit many, many companies, job descriptions either don't exist. And I've, I'll tell you what, I've been very surprised. I've been in some big companies and I go like, can I see a job description for a project manager? And they go like, well, let's see. I wonder, do we have one? And then somebody goes, yeah, it was printed in when it was Microsoft Word 97, right? And so it, they're ancient. Okay. And so just think about it for a second. All of you people out there in podcast world, when was the last time you saw your job description? Right. I mean, probably a long time. Now, another observation that I've seen or I've made is that in many, many cases, job descriptions are basically shown to the employee but they're never shown to anybody else in the company. So nobody else really knows what that employee is supposed to be doing, right? And and this would go all the way, in my opinion, from the owner of the company, I think should have a job description too. So everybody knows who's got that part of the equation. And then the other thing that's very amazing to me, and I've seen a lot of these review agendas, you know, somebody says, we're doing personnel reviews and you look at the agenda for that review and almost none of it has to do with what the job description is, you know? So it's two kind of different things. Now I've been involved with many companies, either writing job descriptions with them or the very least reviewing them. And I will admit right here that most of my focus has always been What do we want that employee to do as part of their job? And so I've always had this little nagging feeling that something was missing. And I've got that feeling right now that our guest is going to help us understand what I've been missing for so many years. So, Steve, let's jump into it. 
All right, Tim. So in addition to being a longstanding and extremely popular roundtables facilitator, Jackie is founder and principal consultant of Get Organized, whose mission is to increase the happiness in the world by helping business owners deal with accounting and administrative challenges. She is a nationally recognized presenter, consultant, and QuickBooks wizard. Prior to founding Go, Get Organized, Jackie was a HR manager and financial controller in the corporate world. HR and employee relations are intricately intertwined with the financial success of companies, so Jackie's HR knowledge comes in handy on a regular basis. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, so like I indicated in my little intro, I've got this funny feeling there's a lot that I don't know about job descriptions that I probably need to know. And like I said, I've been involved with lots of companies and and working on them with them. And so this is going to be a great learning experience for me as well. So just, you know, like Steve mentioned, your bio mentions, a lot of us know you from Remodelers Advantage as one of the QuickBooks women, right? Not Not one of the girls, right? That's right. That it's the women, right? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. That's a that's a big deal. Everybody needs to pay attention to that. But just give us a little bit more about what you do and particularly as it relates to this topic about job descriptions. Yeah. So there are um, times when people need to have a job description and they ask me about it. And I have some templates that I put together previously. We're pretty lucky in Oregon. The, there's a website in Oregon that you can search for a job title and it'll give you expected education and expected skill set. So it's not like any of us need to start with a blank page. We can borrow things, right? <laughs> we can, we can uh, do research and find these things without coming up with them from scratch. But um, I've gone to a lot of HR trainings. Um, the state of Oregon does an employment law conference every year. And that's mm. really the, the key word is law. Okay. Right? Because not only your job descriptions ideally are going to help you um, negate the possibility of lawsuits, right? And, okay. and so that's one of the things that people miss is this isn't only um, marketing to right. post to get somebody in. It then is intricately or should be intricately involved in evaluations, feedback you're giving employees, all that kind of stuff, along with the hiring. So this the job description should help you navigate the hiring process. Okay, cool. So why, I mean, you've been around a lot of remodeling companies ever since you started working, particularly with Remodelers Advantage. So why do you suppose it is, as I indicated, that so many of them either don't have them at all or uh, they're very sketchy, they're very uh, minimal, if you will? What, what do you think, I mean, do you think there's any reason for that particular in remodeling world? I think that um, a lot of people uh, simply don't take the time because they right. don't understand the importance. So they don't take the time to do it. Right. And too often what happens is that they say, hey, administrator, go make us some job descriptions. Well, I mean, you could do a whole bunch of research and, you know, savvy administrator could do a bunch of research and figure out, figure things out partway, but really someone who has an office manager and they expect them to be involved in HR at all should be providing that person 
employment law and labor law professional development experiences. And a lot of the states offer this, right? A lot of the labor bureaus offer this. And so the reason why it gets missed is that it doesn't seem important until you're about to hire. And then people don't understand what a fabulous tool it is when you're doing evaluations and talking to people about performance and that sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, like, what are we trying to achieve? I think you may have already mentioned this, but I, I kind of want to encapsulate it, if you will. What are, what are our, what is our main goal or goals, if you will, mm-hmm. for a job description? In other words, for it to be a successful job description, what will it achieve? Right, exactly. So it's interesting you asked that question because um, yesterday or two days ago, I had lunch with one of my mentors and she's a very um, successful business business consultant. And when I mentioned job description, she said, I know the HR world is, is moving to like a multiple page job description, but I'm never going to do that. It's got to be one page, right? I just want it to be one page. Um, and so um, her, her uh, aspect, I think what she's thinking is about um, getting that employee in, getting the basics, you know, using, using the job description as a, as a way for advertising. But here's the thing. Your job description should also lay out why you hire one person over another. So it, when it comes to key responsibilities, we should have essential and non-essential for requirements like education and experience, we should have essential and non-essential so that when we're looking at two people, if they both have all the essential qualifications, what separates them? And um, as many of you know, too often, we, we tend to gravitate or hire people that are like us in one way right. or another or, right. Remind, right, or remind us of somebody, right? There's yes. security there. And that's one thing we definitely should not be doing when right. we're hiring, um, business owners need people that are absolutely not like them <laughs> in the workplace. That's right? right. That should be one of the key goals. And so um, part of this is, is helping you decide when you have a, a small group of people that seem right, which one's the right one. So that's okay. one aspect of it. Okay. So I want to go back to this one page versus many mm-hmm. pages. So yeah. years ago, when I wrote the, uh, the uh, Lead Carpenter Handbook, a publisher asked me, like, send me, a, send me a chapter. So I sent them the chapter on my job description for a Lead Carpenter, and it's three pages long. And they wrote me back and said, this isn't a job description. It should only be one page. Now, I say it very derisively, and I apologize, <laughs> but... I had no idea. So give us your thoughts on that. What, I mean, you, you mentioned your mentor said they're going to keep it at one page. I'm, sounds like maybe you're saying it really needs to be more than that. I feel like it needs to be more than that. Now, much like the chart of accounts and QuickBooks, you can get too much detail. Right. right? Okay. You can get too much detail and it can be um, just as bad as not enough detail. So you need that middle line, right? You need to make sure that you're, you leave enough space in the job description that you can be asking them to do other things and they're not going to say, but it's not listed here, sir. Right. Right. Um, But I do believe that um, 
most job descriptions, you know, some of them can fit on a page, but a lot of them, it's going to be two to three pages. Okay. It used to be the same thing about resumes, right? Make right. sure your resume fits on one page. But really, for a lot of us, it, it is not, you know, our experiences <laughs> don't fit on a page, right? Right. Right. You should get at least three extra lines for every year you've been alive or something, right? <laughs> so um, especially for the construction industry, there's a piece that's often missing. And I will share um, a document with you guys that you could put into um, the podcast information online okay. that's called the functional job description. Okay. Now, unfortunately, I, the workforce say, uh, safety and insurance people don't have this on their website anymore, but I still have a copy of the PDF. It goes through, like, will you be climb, climbing stairs or ladders? Will there be no noise? If there is noise, how much noise? And all of these things then should lead you to the, um, the physical requirements for the job, both okay. essential and non-essential. Now, why would we care about that? Well, let's say you have an employee that is injured. They were skateboarding. They should not have been skateboarding at their age. And they, they <laughs> broke something, right? right. Okay. And their doctor gave them a return to work, but return to work with these conditions. Right. Well, you as a business owner or project manager shouldn't just go, oh, well, it's Bob. I'm sure Bob will get stuff done. We'll let Bob go to work with this, with this condition. But then three years later, there might be another person in the same situation. And you're like, sorry, you can't return to work, right? So- we don't want, you know, part of the HR world is keeping a level playing field and reacting the same way to the same situation. It doesn't matter who it is. If the situation is the same, you react the same. So, for instance, with the physical requirements, essential and non-essential, you go back to that. When you get the doctor's note, you go back to that. And if what they can't do is something that's listed on the physical requirements essential, then they can't come back to work until they meet those essential requirements. And you won't get in trouble with unemployment or workers' comp or whoever gets involved if you have this written document on file that the employee has seen. I like employees to review their own job description. Like when you do evaluations, you hand it to them and you say, cross off the things you're not doing right in the things you are doing. Let's see <laughs> how realistic this is, right? Okay, okay. Um, and so that's, a, that's a definitely a part of all of this, but especially in the construction world, physical requirements, right, are important. It's important even for office staff. I had a, a client who you had to go up a pretty big flight of stairs to get to their office. Right. Now, obviously they can't even have an office manager that can't, can't go up flights of stairs. Right. Right. Um, you know, so if somebody has, you know, has a broken leg, I mean, they could try to go up flights of stairs, of course, but you right. you get the picture, right? Yeah. We need, we need not just uh, intellectual requirements um, and skill sets. We also need physical requirements. So I was thinking, I saw a job description not too long ago and I'm, this is a little joke of mine, and that is that even Jesus couldn't have done this job description. I mean, it was so many little bitty little things that this person would have to do that it actually discouraged one person that I know from even applying. And I said, you know, go ahead and apply anyway, because surely they don't mean every little bit. So what I'm and, and the physical requirements, too, I'm wondering about that, like how detailed does 
particularly the physical requirements, because I, another story that I have is uh, I had a situation where I was on site with a carpenter one time. I was a production manager. I shouldn't have been with my tools on, but I was there. And uh, I said, hop up on that little roof. And it was like a 112 pitch, nothing steep, 10 feet off the ground. He goes, oh, I can't do that. And I said, why not? He says, I'm afraid of heights. And I went like, oh, no, you mean I've got a carpenter employed in my company that can't walk on a basically flat surface 10 feet off the ground. So what did I have to do? I had to get up on the roof, let him cut. And of course, guess who does more work? The guy up on the roof. So that was a big story for me. So how detailed do we need to be with this physical requirements and maybe with the whole thing? Yes. So. Um, for example, I have one in front of me that um, is sort of for the office staff, right? And so physical requirements essential are, you know, that you're going to be sedentary, like sitting, maybe standing right. with their stand-up desk. You have to be able to lift at least 10 pounds. Um, you're communicating in a quiet environment because there's also communicating in loud environments um, and, and the working on a computer, right? So that's what it says for essential. You have to be able to okay. work on a computer. And then the infrequent piece of this, so less than one third of the time is climbing stairs or walking around. Okay. Um, so we definitely, you know, when possible, you know, we don't want to put walking around just because walking around is a thing, right? If you, if you can wheel around, right? We have to always think about the Disabilities Act. Sure. If it's situations where you could wheel around, then we don't want to say that, you know, you have to walk, right? Okay, um, okay. But the, then the infrequent was carrying 10 pounds up to like 100 feet. So there's in this functional job description, there's how much you can carry and then how far you carry. Well, okay. all my job descriptions for my staff say that you have to be able to stoop, kneel and crawl, crouch, because if there's <laughs> IT work and you have to get to the cables under the desk, I need you to be able to go down and get the cables under the desk. And so and lifting like the, at least the size of paper case boxes, right, for office right. staff. Right. So. Do you need to get into a lot of detail? No, I think this functional job description worksheet that was provided by the workforcesafety.com back in the day is really helpful because it gets, it really um, can make things much more succinct, right? What are the things that people are gonna have to be doing the m more often than not, right? Because like you said, you don't wanna hire a carpenter that, that's scared of heights. You, right can't really hire somebody to work in the field that can't handle being around loud noise. Right. Or carrying heavy objects. And I, I've seen that in a lot of job descriptions where they say be able to carry up to 50 pounds independently and across rough terrain, because oftentimes job sites are not even nice, even level ground, that kind of thing. So that, yeah, that's yeah. really good. So now you've mentioned the law part of this thing. Yes. a couple of times. And so like, what are some of the legal aspects that maybe like myself and others that have been in this remodeling business for 40 years, may, what, what we, we might have missed that could have become a problem if someone had pushed it that way? Yeah. Might've missed or um, should never have added. Okay. That, okay. Yeah. Good. Right? Good. So let's, right? let's cover both of those. Yeah. yeah. So, Definitely. you know, as you know, the best thing to do if you want to audit your job descriptions to make sure that you don't have things in them you shouldn't 
is to look at the protected classes. That's a special word, protected classes in your state and the feds. So what is that? That's um, age, sex, ethnicity, right? Okay. Uh, you know, all, all the things, right? So you want to be careful about, you know, so it's, it's one thing to say that uh, essential requirement is some experience with QuickBooks. And the non-essential requirement is, boy, it'd be nice if you had more than three years of QuickBooks, right? Right. So okay. we'd like you to have QuickBooks, but if you have more than three years, you're actually more likely to get the job than the person who has some experience in QuickBooks, right? So there's that balance. So part of the legal aspect, um, beyond making sure you don't have anything in your job description that could look like discrimination, which are those protected classes, is being able to divvy up the um, the requirements, um, the education, the responsibilities into uh, the required must have, and then the the non essential we wants. Right, it's the difference between the needs and the wants. The, that's going to protect you from having a lawsuit because somebody says you didn't hire me because I was A B C D E, and oh. nowadays you if you even there's protections for being affiliated. So you, someone could say, you didn't hire me because you know I have two moms. Oh, right, okay. You didn't hire me because you know I'm married to someone that's of a different ethnicity, ethnicity okay. than me, right? Right. Um, and so we want this job description to be the key, right? The checklist that we can use to decide who to hire, which one's the best fit, right? Right, um, and, so trying, that, and trying to create it in a way where no one can come back and say, you didn't hire me because of these other protected reasons. Because I was just sitting here listening to you thinking like, I've never seen a job description that says candidate must be under 45 years old. Right, right? thank but, goodness. Or must be a man <laughs> or, you know, so I'm thinking like, what in the world, who would put something? And then, but what you're bringing out is a little more subtle than that and, and probably a little more dangerous. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so, um, so the um, legalities, number one is okay. the hiring process, right? Having solid written documentation to explain why you pick one person over another. Right. And then we get into evaluations, feedback to employees, if you're going to write them up, right? Okay. If there's going to be reprimands for some reason, like, you know, it really isn't fair if you're reprimanding someone and saying you weren't, you, you weren't being confidential, like, right? Like, like you were telling everybody who we're working for and what their address is, and you weren't being confidential with our client information, and then the person says, where is it written that I'm supposed to be confidential? Right. Is it, it's got to be in the handbook or the job description. And the handbooks and the, and the job descriptions need to sync together. They can't, right. you know, cancel each other out. One says one thing, one says another. Um, and so right. this job description then should also be used when we're thinking about doing evaluations for our staff. So okay. that's the next level because you, you could turn into a lawsuit and a disgruntled employee if you reprimand them or fire them.
Hi, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've likely heard me refer to our production manager roundtables. Many of the people that have been on the show have been members of this program, and oftentimes they're some of our most popular guests. If you're not familiar with it, a few years back, we took the roundtables concept that has been so popular with Remodelers Advantage members and started groups specifically for production managers. Very similar format to what the owners are doing, but focused on production issues and really diving into best practices among some of the best remodeling companies out there. We meet twice a year for two days at each meeting, collect and discuss performance metrics for each company, and we support each other throughout the year with microboards, smaller groups of your peers who meet monthly via Zoom to discuss issues and ask for input. So whether you're a business owner looking to improve your production team or a production manager that needs help taking your department to the next level, we have a spot for you if you're interested. If you're interested in learning more, email me at tim at remodelersadvantage.com and I'll tell you more about it. So Jackie, let's just backtrack a bit and we'll use Tim's example of uh, afraid of heights. Yeah. So knowing that that's, um, you know, we have the Disabilities Act, but then when you have, where was that missed? The, the, somebody would get onto a job site hired. So it was missed during the hiring process, missed during the job description. Where could we put in place where the person who is afraid of heights, you know, needs to frame, you know, put sheathing right. on the roof. Right. And how is that missed? Yeah. So I like to go over the job description um, and really like hand them a copy and say, okay, this is the job description. Like, circle the things that that you're that you can't do right so you're not asking them if they're disabled or not or if they have any kind of phobias but but circle the things on this job description that that uh, you would be unable to do and then keep that copy have them even sign the bottom of it and keep it on file so if something comes up and suddenly they're like yeah i don't like power tools i only like to use the hand cranks (laughs) <laughs> and then you can be like, dude, you just did you, you, you didn't circle that you don't like using electricity. What's going on here? Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, that's but, so good. Yeah, that's really good. Steve. Yeah, but Tim, that um, you know, in that case though, um, is it an assumption that they need to be up high? You know, I mean, where actually tangibly you need to write you will be up high. Is that yeah, something? so um, on the functional job description, one okay. of the categories the is climbing ladders, okay. right? So how often will you be climbing ladders? Um, and so, you know, they need to meet these essential requirements. So here's a great essential requirement that I'm dealing with right now. Because I have an employee that has not gotten her vaccination. Mm. Got it. And how can she work? near her coworkers, unless she's masked up all the time. So she has been sent away right now to our annex office because I'm going to visit my mom. And then she's going on a trip and then she's going to be out. Then she has to go isolate for two weeks afterwards. So somebody who's supposed to be right here next to me helping me is now going to be out of the office or not. We won't overlap for like six weeks because she won't, she hasn't gotten her vaccine. And so, 
Now I get to make two job descriptions to, you know, a new, I'm going to um, make two new job descriptions. And here's something there's, there's, um, there's case law, there's like legislative law and case law, right? So right. legislative law is what they're passing and what the labor bureaus are doing. Case law is when it goes to court, what the courts decide. And there was a case law uh, set that this was some years ago, that if you need people to be physically present to do their job, then you need the essential requirement to state must be physically present. Ah. So this all came about because a woman was uh, managing a retail store. She was the manager of a retail store and she was injured and she started working from home, right? Like doing the scheduling and stuff. But you got to be on site <laughs> managing people at a retail store. And so she was working from home and, and then they fired her and it turned into a lawsuit. And then it turned into, well, if she needed to be on site, then the job description should have said essential requirement is to be working on site. So now I'm going to have two job descriptions. One is going to be essential requirement is to be on site and you can't be here unless you have your vaccination. Option number two, you work in the annex office. And guess what? That's a totally different thing. Right. Like, right. And different hours, because I now need to hire somebody new, potentially, to be sitting next to me. OK. Wow. <laughs> and so just yeah. in case anybody's listening in to this uh, five years from now, we're talking about the covid uh, situations around 2021 or something like that. So yeah, not the pandemic that's going on right now for you guys in 2025. We're talking about this. Right. This, right. this, this is well. 2021. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you know what? It just brought to my mind. It's like, you know, it just make, it wouldn't make any sense to hire a carpenter that doesn't understand they have to be on site. But again, Maybe that's one of those legal loopholes that we need to think about in terms of the uh, of the way we write these job descriptions. So that's kind of a that's kind of an interesting. So um, if I may jump in, uh, Jackie, I don't know when you uh, hired the person that is, I guess, choosing not to get uh, vaccinated. But um, if you hired them in 2019, um, you would have no idea that the pandemic right. was coming around. So there's no basis for adding that to job description. So, so anything that's pulled in legally outside, I mean, you know, there's, I, I guess I'm asking things to do right now. So it doesn't go to court. Right. Things to do right now. So it doesn't go to court. You should have job descriptions. And when you're doing evaluations, you should be getting out the job description. If the, these people in general, because so many people worked remotely, a lot of people are not going to want to come back to work. Right. Really? Because it, you know, you, you don't have to deal with commuting. You don't have to spend hours, you know, and so, and there, and there are a lot of people that are successfully navigating that. And yeah. we might be able to have smaller office environments and have more people remote and just have screens. I have to tell you a really quick story. So I rent an office at the Chamber of Commerce. That's our annex office. And there was a woman that worked there for years and she worked at MIT, but she was in that office for years. Right. And they actually had a little remote control, um, like uh, a robot guy that held a, a screen and she could <laughs> drive it around the office looking for her coworkers and like talking <laughs> to them, right? Because of course it's MIT, right? Of course they're yeah, going to have that course, technology. Robotics so, going on. You know, there's, 
as far as who actually needs to be in, in physically around and who doesn't, this is de something that's definitely evolving because of what we just went through. And, right. you know, when I was my last corporate job in, you know, the um, late 90s, early 2000s, there was a lot of owners that said, absolutely not. We don't want people working remotely, working from home or wherever right. they are, because they're not going to they're not going to get their work done. And there was a there was a lot of like no we're not doing that and now that so many people have been forced to do it a lot right. of people are going to see that it actually does work and so that's one of the things people have to decide is when they're looking at a job description do people need to be physically present i would agree with you it seems like a carpenter that'd be pretty obvious it, but it a project like manager would a project manager think that they maybe don't have to go in the field and that they could work from home you know what? I, uh, a production manager, and I did have a situation uh, a couple of years back where a production manager was saying, I'm not coming into the office. And so that would have been a solution as part of that uh, discussion if it had been in the job description that X amount of time needed to be spent in the office or, or something like that. So, so Jackie, we're going <laughs> to, this is so cool. And, you know, I'm sure. You could go on for a while on it, but we, we, we're going to start winding it down. But just a couple of really quick questions. Does mm -hmm. every person in a company need a job description? I alluded to the boss. Is, is, that, is that right? In your opinion, should everybody have a job description? Absolutely. Everyone should have a job description and your employees can actually help you create them. You can ask them to write down you know, what they think their responsibilities are and what they think are key components to their job. A lot of times they'll write down all the things that their coworker doesn't do that drives them nuts. Right. Like these right. are the things that need. <laughs> so everyone should have a job description. They should be reviewed. You know, you know, I, you know, some people would say, some lawyers would say on a yearly basis, I think, you know, at least on a regular basis, you know, every year or two, um, when you have those meetings with um, employees, you can look at it together and say, is this still make sense for you? But it's not a job description for every employee. It's okay. a job description for every position. Right. And right. people get, some people write job descriptions for a person. Right. And, and that's what we don't want. It needs to be for that position. Right. Yeah. That's a real problem because we, people want to keep somebody and so they create a position basically for them and they're not really doing the job quite often uh, is the case. So uh, I was just going to ask how often should they be updated? So I think you answered, uh, answered that question. So just as we're wrapping up here, Jackie, give us a little uh, disclaimer on state requirements because you're in Oregon. You've already alluded to there, you know, the Oregon statutes and laws and things like that. What should people be doing, watching out for in terms of their state? Mm -hmm. Yep. And so the the biggest there's there, the biggest pieces really are um, the uh, protected classes and exempt versus non-exempt rules. Who's okay. subject to overtime? Who's not? I think clarifying that kind of thing in the job description is not a bad idea, or at least it should be declared somewhere, right? If this okay. is an exempt or non-exempt position, and so um, those are the things that can be variable in okay. states, from what I have seen. Yeah. Okay, 
I got one last quick question. Steve, go ahead. Uh, I know a lot of it, you know, seems technical, um, you know, in terms of making sure you're covering bases on a Mm -hmm. lot of different places, but in terms of hiring for company culture, what are different verbiage ways you can put it in there to guide, you know, that you're getting the, the type of person that's a fit for your company? Oh, absolutely. And this is where the protected classes come in, right? So like my my job descriptions say that you have to be willing, able, and happy about having cats for coworkers Ah. work at HQ. And there's a lot of people, especially Oregon, man, there's going to be pets in a lot of offices here in Oregon. It's just part of the culture. And so I think there's a lot of ways that you can define your culture without crossing lines. Where I see people crossing lines, especially is when it comes to religion. I see, I see religion being put into these job descriptions and Mm. it's, um, uh, you know, or, or words that basically mean the same thing. You know, yeah, yeah. And so um, that's that's one of the the biggest components that I see that are are an issue. You know, the politics and religion, to me, that stays out of the office. We don't want that in. in, uh, Nope. Yep. All right. Well, Well, thank you, Jackie. This has been so fantastic. I have one closing comment. Okay, that would be great. Go ahead. Give us some some gold here. (laughs) Create a benchmark schedule but no, you're not going to get this done in a month. Right. Right. Maybe you're making a new job description for every new hire, you know, but it takes, it can take a good six months to get your job descriptions in place. And you, you know, create them, have the employee that you creating them for review them and see what they have for feedback. You know, this can be a group activity, but don't think you're going to sit down over a weekend and make up, make all your job descriptions and definitely um, it's there's nothing wrong with getting a lawyer involved because these are legal documents at the end of the day. So fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Jackie. Uh, this has been great. And I'm sure we'll find another excuse to get you back on the show someday. Uh, and uh, I hope everybody out there has really gotten a lot from it. So thank you yeah. so much. You're thank welcome. You, Jackie. Thank you. Well, Tim, I, uh, you know, you, you do a lot of work on putting together our guests and getting the schedule together. And I'm always amazed at what you get together. And this was an awesome episode with Jackie. First of all, Jackie's just uh, personality and her depth of knowledge in so many different things is awesome. But, you know, the job description thing is I never thought about until I got to RA and started to be engrossed in how it can go very wrong. You know, I I knew that I would see some that, yeah, that turns me off for that company and this, but there's so much power in putting together a a strong job description, both legally uh, and just guiding your company to hire the right people. So one of the big, big takeaways for me was just this whole thing about the difference between some things are essential and some things are not essential. Yes. And I, I think the way she explained it, just in terms of choosing between two different people and the fact that one of those people, the loser, apparently might come back to you and said, hey, you didn't hire me because of something that was a protected class that would bring on the lawsuit and so forth like that. Yeah, so yeah. I just I just uh, really loved that distinction that she brought out. Uh, I finally got the answer to my question about one page or many. And I, I think she kind of went 
one and a half or two, not too long, <laughs> not too long, but not too short. Yeah. Because it strikes me that just if you're going to have all this stuff in there, it's got to have some meat to it. It's got to have uh, some, you know, uh, length uh, to it. So I um, just a great day for me. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, putting these things together. This was just like a lightning strike in my brain one day that said, <laughs> Man, we need to talk about job descriptions. And so that's how it happens sometimes, folks. So, again, let me know if I can answer some questions for you, because I can find a guest probably. Yeah, I think it's one more thing to note. Um, and it'd be great if there was just a, a large resource for this. But she mentioned kind of trimming the fat on on the process of having some some baked job descriptions at a resource in Corvallis, Oregon. Right. Um, and, and, you know, any legal advice for anything is going to be different no matter what state you're in. So it's important to note. And, um, you know, I, I don't know where those resources would be, but um yeah it'd be great to reach out to wherever you are locally to see if they can help you get started definitely all right well we want to thank jackie shaw for joining us today and we want to thank you for listening to another episode of the tim fowler show and remember at the tim fowler show we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary this has been another episode of the tim fowler show want to hire tim and fast track your growth Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.